since The Mandalorian's out, and I'm in the middle of writing a book for National Novel Writing Month, and I'm pre-recording episodes so that I actually have time to write, I can't tell you what I thought about it, but I w guess we could talk about Star Wars. Well, actually, I, I want to talk about Star Wars, and today I would like to talk about the Jedi and the Sith and how their power dynamics relate to the Force on today's Project Shadow. Hello everyone, how are you doing today? My name's Charlie, you might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, especially if you're reading my latest book, Crucify My Love. And today, while I would love to be talking about The Mandalorians, this is past me talking and I haven't seen it yet. Present me probably has watched at least one episode of it because I know myself and I just, I had to get into it. So I don't know if I like it or not, but I love Star Wars. And I spend way too much time thinking about it. And so I'm going to share my weird Star Wars thoughts with you today. But before we get into all that, if you haven't already, please do take a moment to rate this podcast in whatever app you're listening to me on. It really does help out a lot. It tells the algorithms to share the podcast with more people. The more people that listen, the bigger the community, the bigger the community, the better the chance we get to actually communicate with each other. And after all, that's why I do this in the first place. Thank you to everybody who's already done that. Okay, so before I get into this, I don't think I'm really going to be spoiling anything. I, I, I might. I, I, I am not going to be specifically talking about any one Star Wars story. I just kind of want to talk about the Jedi, the Sith, and the Force as vague theories. And so I don't think I'm going to be giving spoilers for any particular thing, though I, I can't rule it out. So, meh. That's the best warning I can do. So, what, what, what is it about these people that amaze me so much? As we've talked about in a previous episode rant thingy I did a little while back, good fantasy looks within. That's the point of fantasy. While science fiction looks to the future, fantasy looks within. That's the best use of fantasy. And especially when it takes the inner life of the characters and exteriorizes it in such a way. So, that's kinda how you see the Force used throughout the Star Wars franchise. Especially in the new canon, because they threw out a lot of the weirder things about the Force, but who knows, they might be coming back. The Return of the Rise of Skywalker looks weird, and apparently the Emperor's back for reasons? I don't know. They're doing a thing. I'm hoping that the Emperor stuff is all part of like a Force vision that Rey has, and not actually the story. <sighs> I don't want to get distracted and all that, but anywho, we're... <laughs> Since the uh, new canon threw out a lot of the craziness of the Force, it really does leave us with characters that 
utilize the Force in the way that you would see developing out of their own personalities. So we have Obi-Wan Kenobi, who is very much a uh, kind of a shyster. He, he's probably the most, uh, I don't know, laid back of the Jedi. I mean, you can kind of say that Qui-Gon Jinn is, but think about it. He knows where all the bars are. He knows where all of the people are to go hang out and talk to. He's at the diner to the point where he comes in and they greet him by name and kind of know what he probably wants to drink. So, yeah, he's kind of that laid back kind of guy who, generally speaking, talks his way out of most of the situations that he can. And if he can't talk his way out, he goes into, as he calls it, aggressive negotiations, which is when he pulls his lightsaber out and starts hacking off limbs. So even that part of his personality is externalized. And yes, I've seen the prequels, I've seen the Clone Wars, but let's be honest, the most iconic use of the Force by Obi-Wan Kenobi is, these are not the droids you're looking for. We see him use it for trickery so much more than any of the other Jedi that we encounter. He uses it on the Death Star to make the stormtroopers think that they heard something somewhere else. He, his personality is very clearly externalized through the Force. We see Anakin use it very aggressively for extreme sports, jumping, leaping, spinning, diving, and whatnot to accomplish things that other characters in the setting require a jetpack for. We see Darth Vader get angry and kind of want to choke people out, actually just choke people out with it, like a lot. Vader chokes a lot of people, like a lot of people. He, he, he just, you know, he, you get that urge where you just want to choke somebody out. And Vader, unfortunately, has that urge and the force and just does it. And that's not helpful or healthy to any of the people who happen to be around him. And the Emperor, who wants to control everything, we see using force visions. We see him using the force to manipulate people. and. Famously, through his use of Force Lightning to zebedee zap his enemies. Why is this a very good symbol of him? Because he's kind of like a thunderstorm. He's kind of quiet and menacing and looming in the background and occasionally strikes out with vengeance and fury and takes out whatever he perceives as being in his way. And I could go on. And I'm not saying that these are the exclusive ways that any of these characters in canon media have used the Force, so please don't at me. Okay? I'm just saying that you can see these characters' personalities portrayed through their most favored uses of the Force. This is one of the things that makes the Force in Star Wars such an interesting dynamic for the setting. Because it's not simply magic. It could be used as magic, and we see the Force Witches, as they are referred to, the Night, the Night Sisters, use the Force to cast spells and do things that you would expect witches to do. That's fascinating. Yet we don't see the Jedi or the Sith doing the same. We know that they use it somehow for the manufacture of their lightsabers, for their crystals, and for their holocrons. Beyond that, 
the series so far has left a lot of this vague. And yes, I know there's ancillary media that's out there that does go into detail about all of that, but that is as canon as it can be until something actually happens in story and they decide to change the reference books, so I'm not including the reference books in here, even though, yes, I have them and I've read them and I like them. Okay. Sorry, I get rules lawyered a lot while I'm playing Earthdawn and it's kind of bleeding into everything where I feel like I have to cover my bases, and I apologize for that. But this is one of the things that makes the Force fascinating. But the Force, beyond that, is used extremely differently by the Jedi and the Sith. And I would argue that the Jedi and the Sith are both equally villains in the world of Star Wars. Now, don't get me wrong, I am not saying that the Jedi are evil. This isn't an pro-Anakin Skywalker argument from my perspective. The Jedi are evil. No, that, that's, not, that's not where I'm coming from. What I'm saying is neither is actually a force for good. Both are a force for self-preservation. And they approach it from two different ways. The basic dichotomy that was set up between the Jedi and the Sith from George Lucas on is this idea that the Jedi are intended to be selfless and the Sith are intrinsically selfish. The Sith are greedy, they are manipulative, they are power-hungry, whereas the Jedi are supposed to relieve themselves of self. The problem with this is we don't see the Jedi actually doing that. That's Jedi propaganda. If we did see them doing that, they're in well, the marked differences in their personalities, one wouldn't be such marked differences. We would actually see them doing, as Yoda does, meditating a lot more and actually cleansing themselves of a lot of the rigid thoughts that control them. This being one of the main reasons I believe that Yoda survived. Yoda was probably the only Jedi in the temple, the only person actually practicing what the Jedi were supposed to be about. Because what you actually end up getting when you look at Star Wars is two organizations, the Jedi and the Sith, who utilize the Force, who utilize this great power that has been granted to them to seize control of the galaxy for their own benefit and well-being, and do, do both do everything in their power to maintain their stranglehold on control until only one side is left. And that is the revelation, the revelation, oh my goodness, that is the revelation that Luke Skywalker had that led him in The Last Jedi to say that the Jedi must end. So there were no good guys in the original trilogy? And, I'm sorry. Kinda. There were people with noble intent. I think Leia had noble intent. I think Obi-Wan finally got there, and I think Yoda finally gets there. Luke gets there. Yahan sorta gets there in the end, but that's kind of taken away from him with everything that happened afterwards. But yeah, when you go back to the prequels, though, things get a lot muddier. Because there really are no heroes in the prequel trilogy. And this is something that I think people sensed on 
a subconscious level, but they didn't actually know how to articulate it. Qui-Gon Jinn is not a hero. He's just a thug who's been sent by the Jedi to shake down the Neomoidians so that they end their blockade. He's an enforcer that the Jedi have sent on behalf of the Galactic Senate to enforce order. But notice, he's not working under some semblance of law. He's not a law enforcement agent. His job is not there to enforce galactic law. He is there as a quote-unquote neutral party who feels it his own right to attack and do violence and not free slaves or anything else. You see, his only interest is in maintaining the power and prestige of the Jedi. You see the same attitude in Mace Windu and the other Jedi that we encounter. Yoda is the first one who gets a little bit mm, iffy about the whole thing and is the one who speaks out against the Clone Wars. Because this is not a good thing. He sees the destruction of the Jedi coming. He doesn't know how, but he knows that this will be the end of the Jedi. And how does he know that? Because the idea of the Jedi by his time was an illusion. One wonders what life was like for young Yoda, 900-year-old master, if, like other members of the Order he was taken in as a child, he spent nearly a millennium in the Jedi ways, in the Jedi Order, watching it change and morph over time. And we don't know what it was like when Yoda was a child, and or when he was an adult, an early young adult. We do know what it would look like towards the end of his life. It had turned into a group of people who were concerned about their own in interests and their own power, who weren't concerned about children. How do I know that? Well, let's look at two major events from the prequels. One, the Jedi were not interested in protecting the younglings in the temple. How can I say that? Most of the Jedi Masters and most of the Jedi were off in fighting the Clone Wars. When we actually see Anakin go into the temple, the kids are pretty much on their own, with very few people there to actually help them. We also see it in Qui-Gon Jinn's dismissal of this problem of slavery on Tatooine. Well, actually, we didn't come here to free slaves. He's not upset about that. He's not bothered about that. He doesn't have any moral qualms here, there, or yonder. And this is a wonderful form of pseudo-detachment that a lot of spiritual people adopt to absolve themselves of actually having to care about or find solutions for or work towards bettering the world. See, he's not detached in that he doesn't have his own interests. He's not detached in that he has found a way to overcome his own ego. He's detached in that he eh, just doesn't care. He's, adapt he's adopted a sense of enlightened apathy that masquerades as detachment. And through that, he can look at these people in slavery. The only people on the planet who are willingly helping them 
can very blasé say, actually, we didn't come here to free slaves. And then when he finds out, oh, wait, but this kid might be special. He might be of use. Then he cares. And don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to turn Qui-Gon into a villain. I'm saying that he is a symptom of the problem. The Force is a great tool that can be used for numerous things. But the Force is life. This is something that Luke tries to teach Rey. And this is something that is reinforced over and over and over again. Obi-Wan explains... To Luke, the very first time we hear about the Force in the original series, in the original trilogy, that Force is an energy that produces, that's produced by life, and is life. It flows through all things and it binds the galaxy together. This is the Force. This is the tool the Jedi are supposed to be using to achieve some form of selfless detachment so that they can operate for the betterment of all the galactic citizens. But we don't see them actually doing that. The power dynamics that they have set up by becoming the keepers of justice and peace for the galaxy has overridden their internal propaganda, their internal logic as to why they should exist in the first place. They are no longer here to actually help people, one, learn the ways of the Force, and two, become these selfless paragons that the Jedi are intended to be. They exist to prop up and maintain the power structures and their place in it. This is what finally drives Mace Windu into action. This is what finally drives the other characters into action. This is the thing that wakes up and shakes the Jedi out of their torpor. Once they learn that the Sith exist, they start looking for their own survival. They had imagined themselves ultimately victorious, that the Sith had been wiped out. Their grand enemy was gone, and they rested on their laurels, doing nothing to actually make the universe better and in so allowed corruption to seep in. And this is the lesson that we can learn from the Jedi and the Sith. While the idea of the Jedi may be powerful, while the idea of this selfless, detached morality may be important or even valid, it is in and of itself defeating when it is attached to power. Because the greater the power, the greater the corrosive force. Once you have power, once you have control over something, you have to be very mindful not to let that power go to your head and not to have all of your actions be dictated by what would actually help you maintain your power and not lose it. And that is how the Jedi lost their way and why Luke says that the Jedi must be destroyed why the jedi must end and this is what i think we're going to see in the rise of skywalker at least if i were writing it the idea of this new order coming about and them being called skywalkers they're not jedi so you can leave behind all of the baggage of the past all of the stories that are going around the myths and legends about luke skywalker 
are about this selfless hero who goes about helping others and trying to save the day. You're allowed to maintain the mythology, you're allowed to maintain the symbols and the ideals of the original order without carrying the baggage forward. Because that's what we have to watch out in everything that we do. Any of us who start the, in life as that rebel underdog, once we have that taste of power, if we're not careful, it will go to our heads and we will lose sight of what it is we originally intended to do. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did and you haven't already, please take a moment to rate it in whatever app you're listening to me on. It really does help out a lot. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like to hear discussed on the show, in the show notes, you'll find a link to the voice message system. Keep it short, keep it clean so I can use it on the show. I would love to hear from you, especially if you're doing National Novel Writing Month this month. I would love to include your stories in the Friday recaps. If you have a dollar you can pass my way and you'd like to join the project, in the show notes, you'll also find a link to both, both, to both, to both listener support and Patreon. It really does help out a lot and helps me grow what we're doing here and make it better for everyone. Because I would really be able to do a lot more things if I could afford to hire some people, but I can't even hardly afford to do the things that I'm currently doing. Uh, Anyway, thank you to everybody who already does that. And if you don't have any money right now or you don't feel like joining the project, that's fine. Don't worry. No pressure. But if you know somebody that you think would like the work that I do, please do share it with them. That helps out a lot. So, yeah, I'm busy on my NaNoWriMo project. If you're doing NaNoWriMo, I bet you are too. There's a pep talk on the way. Before we get there, just don't forget. We're in this together. We'll make it through to the end. No matter what crazy things our minds throw at us, We will get there. And don't forget to have the fun. Bye.